Well, you know, I told you last Sunday that uh, I was working on the message, and so a week and a half ago, I realized that I had about three hours worth of material, and Kathy and Megan both thought that was a little much for one Sunday morning. Not sure why. Maybe because it would have gone into Sunday afternoon, possibly, but... Listen, there's a lot of information that we need to learn about spiritual gifts. So we looked at it last Sunday morning. We're going to look at it this morning. Tonight, we're going to look at connecting gifts to life. And tonight's message won't be online. We won't be able to do that. So those of you who are watching from home, if you'd like to get it, uh, you can contact Megan in the office and she can make you a digital copy or a CD of it. We can make that available to those who are interested in uh, getting tonight's and wouldn't be able to be here. Same if you're here this morning and can't be back tonight but would like to have that teaching, uh, we can make that available to you the same way. Let Megan know, uh, write down your information for her, and, and we'll get that to you. Um, and then next Sunday morning and evening, we're going to look at spiritual gifts too. So why are we devoting so much time talking about spiritual gifts? Well, there's two reasons. The first is positive. It's important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit and God the Father and Son equip the church to accomplish the work of the ministry. It's important for us to understand this. This is a positive thing we need to learn. But then there's also a negative thing. There's a lot of abuse about spiritual gifts in our culture, and that's been true since the days of uh, Paul writing his letter to 1 Corinth, for the, to uh, his first letter to the Corinthian church and saying that they had problems and issues in the church and he wanted to correct those issues. So last week we looked at part of this. If you weren't here, you can go to our Facebook account and uh, view that message. Uh, Even if you don't have a Facebook account, you can go online to our Facebook page and still be able to view that. And and then uh, the the, uh, gifts have been abused and misunderstood. And, and we want to make sure we deal with it correctly. So from last week, oh, by the way, this morning we're going to be looking in, in uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4, like we looked at last week. So um, we won't do it in that order, but we'll do what we did last week. Those same passages, we looked at part of it. We're going to look at a little bit more today. All right. Uh, So last week we looked at spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to serve in the church and in the world. He gives us these gifts and he distributes them to believers. And then we also looked at some gifts were temporary and they were to establish the early church. And when they ceased, or they ceased, as the Bible said that they would cease, and the gifts that God leads us to use today are these, evangelists, exhorting, faith, giving, leading, ministering, pastors, showing mercy, speaking, and teaching. So these are the gifts, and this morning we're going to talk a little bit about how they work, uh, a little bit more tonight, a little bit more next Sunday morning. Uh, But I want you to start out in Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at some principles of how we understand spiritual gifts. And the first thing is something that is missed by many churches 
when they talk about spiritual gifts, and that is that spiritual commitment and spiritual discipline are the foundations for spiritual gifts. So I have a picture here of the foundation of a house and the framing going up uh, on the foundation. And so you see that, that slab is the foundation. Well, hopefully there's something more than just the slab floating on the dirt, but you know what I mean. And so the spiritual commitment and spiritual discipline, that's the foundation. And then the framework and all the rest of the house is built on that foundation. Look at the context for Paul addressing spiritual gifts in Romans 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, and beseech means I beg you. Oh, please, you know, I'm begging you. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that's a, a, a concept. Sacrifices would have been a concept that Jewish believers would have understood readily, and even most of the Greek and Gentile believers. Uh, but what was a living sacrifice? In, in the context of a sacrifice in the Old Testament, what happened to the sacrifice? It died. It was put to death. That was the sacrificial system. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Then Jesus Christ died, and His blood paid the penalty for your sins and mine if you ask Him to be your Savior and forgive your sins and receive Him then your sins are forgiven. So when he says a living sacrifice, this means you're giving your life as if you were willing to die for Christ. You live that way daily. You serve him. You dedicate your life to him. Be a living sacrifice. You need to present your bodies that way, that you use every part of who you are to serve and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says some descriptions of what that living sacrifice, holy, it means a, a sacredness, uh, holy, acceptable to God, meaning God is the one who evaluates your sacrifice, not other people. You might look pretty good compared to Joe Bob down the street, uh, but God compares you to Jesus. And so He's the one who's evaluating. He's the one who set the marker. So uh, this is a stretch for all of us. And if you think it's easy to try and become more like Jesus, you haven't really tried. It's hard work. But he's saying, this, this is something you need to pursue, something you need to follow. And then he says, it's your reasonable service. It's the logical outworking. Of it, 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 if you went to buy a car and they showed you, you know, uh, a little, uh, I started to say Datsun, that really ate, uh, dates me, doesn't it? A, a little tiny Nissan car, and they said, this is worth $150,000. Hopefully you wouldn't buy it. If you had that kind of money, give it to me, I'll go buy you a car. <laughs> Listen, uh, it's reasonable. Now, if that little car was worth 30000 you could say, well, that's reasonable, but if it's 150000 that's not reasonable. It wouldn't make sense to try and charge that much. And he's saying the reasonable thing for believers to do is dedicate your life to the Lord. Try and serve Him. And if you fail, 
ask Him to forgive you, and press on. Remember, we looked several weeks ago, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He does expect you to be growing. All right, look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word transform, I'm sorry, that word conform uh, means to like press you into its image. Don't let the world press you into its mold. Uh, my grandmother always had a jello mold, and she'd make jello, and jello was always part of the meal, and, and it'd be shaped in different things. And at Thanksgiving, she had a turkey shaped jello mold. And so we'd have jello that looked like a turkey, along with a turkey that also looked like a turkey. Uh, well, plucked and roasted turkey. Uh, but, but these spiritual gifts are part of the spiritual discipline. And so we're not to let the world conform us. So your standard of dress is not determined by the world. So I got up this morning and God said, Terry, I want you to wear this tie. You know how God spoke to me? Through Kathy. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, I'm colorblind. So if my clothes match, it's... It's her, and I try and stay on her good side because she could really have fun with me. <laughs> but, but God's not going to tell you what to wear. But he is going to tell you to dress modestly. That's in the Bible. Does our culture accept dress that's immodest? Yes. I stopped in Ikea the other day. I was shocked. I, I was running through somewhere and I saw a bunch of people that really, you know, I felt like telling them, you know, they don't sell clothes here, but you obviously need a full shirt. So, you know, we do not let our culture determine our modesty. We don't let it press us into the mold. Now, if you want to dress fashionably and it's modest, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's more expensive, but there's nothing wrong with it. But you have to follow the biblical standard of dressing modestly. If you want to be active in politics, okay, that's fine. But do it God's way, showing love and kindness and grace to those who disagree with you. And so we need to let spiritual disciplines be the foundation of what we're doing with the Lord. Your giftedness does not exempt you from Christian behavior. Your character will influence your gift, and spiritual ministry is affected by spiritual health. As you're using your gift to serve the Lord, your spiritual health needs to be important to you. Like an athlete competing in sports, they train themselves and they work muscles and they get in shape so they can be ready for that competition. We need to be spiritually ready so we can serve the Lord. Then in verse 3, he introduces the concept of spiritual gifts, or he's about to. So in verse 3, here's the deal. Spiritual gifts are gifts. Spiritual gifts are gifts. Look what he says. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God hath dealt to everyone a measure of faith. 
Years ago, a Christian friend, we were in church together. He and his wife and Kathy and I became friends. And we were over at their house, and this guy came on TV, and he was a televangelist, you know. And he's talking about how God has anointed him, and God has given him this ministry. And, and you know, when he was a child, the Lord raised him up into the heavens and showed him the stars and said, this is the number of souls you'll win for me. And he was all about making himself look good and and building himself up so people would send more money. That's the exact opposite of what Paul said in verse 3. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. I know some pastors who teach that you should talk to your pastor before you make any decision. If you have a question about spiritual things, I'd love to talk with you. But if you, you know... If you want to talk about what car to buy, what investment thing to do, don't talk to me. I don't even keep track of our, we, we have a retirement account we opened a couple of years ago, and I sat down with my oldest son and I said, look, here's the deal. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want my brain thinking about money that much. So I'm going to put you in charge of all of it. And if you lose all our money, when we have to retire or my health fails or whatever, I move into your basement. He says, deal. And every quarter I get a statement from him saying, I'm making sure you don't have to live in my basement, Dad. <laughs> I think he'd be okay with mom living there, but not so sure about dad. But no, we get along well. But, but listen, some people get so impressed with who they are, with the role that God has given them. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. Spiritual gifts are gifts. You have done nothing to earn this. That's one of the reasons why I despise our culture's concept of Christmas. Because you only get a gift if you're good. The Bible says you get a gift because God's good. And we receive that gift. Now, um, then in verses 4 through the beginning of verse 6, we looked at the latter part of verse 6 last week. Spiritual gifts enable the church body to function well. Look in verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're all connected to each other, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, then he says, let us use them. Spiritual gifts enable the church body to function well. Now, I picked this picture on purpose. What are these kids doing? Running. Are they running nice and slow, easy jog, or are they running hard? Looks like they're running hard. Do they all have shoes on? No. They're obviously not doing that in Arizona because there's too many stickers on the ground in Arizona. Uh, but they're running. Some of them are barefoot. They're just running. They're really into it. Only a couple of them even have athletic clothes on. But they're into it. They're running. They're striding. They got big smiles. There's a joy in doing what God has made you to do. And little kids go from not being able to walk to not being able to slow down and walk right? They start running everywhere. I mean, most moms start losing weight when their kids start walking because the baby's running all over and they're chasing them down. 
Uh, we, we have to realize that God has given these gifts so that the body works the way it should. Do you think any of these kids are thinking, okay, when I stretch forth my, right, my left leg, I have to do my right hand. And then when I do my right leg, I have to do my left hand. Do you think they're doing that? Are any of them running like this? No, no, they're not. They're doing it naturally because that's what the body was designed to do. And when we're using spiritual gifts, you don't need to walk into the church and say, Hi, I'm Joe. I'm here to use my spiritual gift. We, we just function well together. We don't draw attention to ourselves. We, we work together and we make it better because we're working together. God designed us to be connected. Like that old song, the knee bones connected to the thigh bone, right? Uh, God has built our bodies to be connected, and he's built the church to be connected so that we're all engaged and involved and serving. We have differing gifts, but that makes us stronger. That makes us better. Some of you don't think you sing very well. Some of you don't sing, and I think you should. Singing to the Lord is part of the worship that's been part of following the Lord for thousands of years. I think you should sing. If you don't sing well, then sing quietly. But sing to the Lord, right? But, but some of you, I've asked several people, in fact, when I was talking to Brandon and Natasha about coming and getting involved in the church, I asked Brandon, I said, so uh, we have the microphone up there and we have different people singing. Uh, he, how would you like to sing up there? And he said, you know... No. Uh, and, and I said, well, we could use it as a fundraiser. We'll lock the door and charge people to get out. And, but, you know, I mean, he's like, I want to help, Pastor. I want to be involved. I, All right, how about getting up there and singing? No. Did you know no is a complete sentence? So uh, we, we, reali- we have differing gifts and differing abilities. And as we work together, God does amazing things. God makes the church happen. And now, this is often also left out most of the time when people talk about spiritual gifts because they focus on themselves and their individual gifts. But number four, God connects spiritual gifts to body life and serving in love. God connects spiritual gifts to body life and serving in love. So we just read Romans 12, right? Look again at verse 5. He says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So we're one body. We are connected. We are serving together. Now, then he describes some of the different gifts, and we looked at that last week, down through verse 8. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What's the next sent? What's the next verse after verse 8? Verse 9. You guys are really sharp. Look. Let love be without hypocrisy. Look at verse 10. Be kindly affection to one another in brotherly love. He connects the body and love 
to spiritual gifts. It's like a sandwich deal. You start on the foundation of the body, you add the spiritual gifts, you put the icing on the cake is love. We're all working together, we're serving together. And every time they talk about spiritual gifts, you see the body and you see love. We're supposed to connect this together like a puzzle piece. So now we're going to look at Ephesians 4 and then 1 Peter 4 and then 1 Corinthians 12. And then I'll have about an hour and a half left. <laughs> when Ben said amen, I almost spit water all over. <laughs> Would have served him right. I'd have got him. <laughs> all right. We're in Ephesians chapter 11, right? We're going to look at body and love. Ephesians chapter 4. If you find chapter 11 in Ephesians, you need a new Bible, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11. See, you messed me up, Ben. That's my excuse for the rest of the day. If Ben hadn't done that, or, and he himself gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up of that body. Look in verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is the natural part. Spiritual gifts, he talks about those, the prophets, the evangelists, the uh, pastors, teachers. He, he put those in the church for the building up of the body. Now, look at verse 15. Right in the middle of all this body talk and spiritual gifts talk, speaking the truth in love. He's connecting spiritual gifts to the whole body and connecting all of that to serving with love. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. By the way, you know if I get messed up, it's not Ben's fault. I can do that just fine on my own, right? So it's one of the fears I have that I'm going to blow it, but... 1 Peter chapter 4, look in verse 9. Now, we looked last week at spiritual gifts, and uh, we looked at them in verses 10 and 11. Each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. So look in verse 9. Be hospitable one to another without grumbling, as each is given the gift, minister it to one another. So he's talking about the body, the one another's, caring for one another, connecting to one another. But look at verse 8, right before all this about gifts. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. He's not saying love ignores sins, but love gets beyond the sin. And love forgives and shows grace even to the sinner. Aren't you glad that's how God's grace operates? Yes, we are, and we show that to other people. So God is connecting spiritual gifts to body life and to serving in love. Now let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 
And this has a really long stretch on the body, long passage about dealing with the body. And he uses some illustrations. He says things like, you know, if the foot says I'm not of the body, does it make it less connected to the body? Or if the hand says I'm not of the body, is it on its own? Why, you know, if, if you walk in here to church and you see somebody doing this at you or somebody doing this, you know, it's not going to worry you at all. But if you walked out on the courtyard and you just saw a hand out there doing this, it would really freak you out. You would probably run screaming. Or some of you guys would have to get your wife to take care of it for you, right? <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And he goes and talks about they were Jews or Greeks, they were baptized into that body when you get baptized. Uh, you join with the church, and, and uh, it, whether they were slaves or free, they were connected to the body. And verse 15, if the foot says, I'm not, uh, I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, that, that doesn't make sense. And, and then in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But God has given all these different members to do their part in the body of Christ, each of us serving together. Now, I have never worked in the church nursery here. I have worked in a church nursery twice. Once, when uh, we were in Bible school together, uh, Kathy was in the nursery on a Wednesday night, and it was a large church, and, and her helper wasn't there, so I said I would come in and help. And boy, was she glad I did, because the pastor's Wednesday night message lasted for over two hours, and we had all those kids in there. I had them doing calisthenics. They were doing exercises, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, grinders. Uh, and the parents all asked me if I could do that every week, because they said when they got home, their kids went right to sleep. I wore them out. But I, I worked in the nursery one other time when, when we had... Um, a video we were showing in the church. Uh, back then it was a reel-to-reel -reel film, but I really wanted everybody in the church to see it, and I already had. So I worked in the nursery, and it was a good thing because one of the little boys jumped, climbed up something, and he jumped off and was going to land on one of the little girls, and I caught him in my hand. And I don't think the four-foot, 11-inch nursery worker we had that night would have been able to just catch him like that and save that girl. But I have never worked in the nursery by choice. It's not in my gifting. <laughs> I, you know, I always said if I had to work in the nursery regularly, we'd Velcro the walls and just stick them up there. And then when the parents came, all right, you get that one, here you go. Not really, but I'd be tempted. And I know some of you are thinking, boy, I'm glad he's not my grandpa, but... So we have all these different parts of the body. Do you know, we have had men in our church who've actually enjoyed working in the nursery. We, we have guys, Jim Ricosi, really kind of weird. You already knew that, right? But, but Jim loves doing games with cubbies, preschool age kids. And you have to be extremely repetitious to get him to do those games. 
I like doing games with middle school kids where you could tell them what to do and as a general rule, they do it. And I remember watching Jim do games with these little kids and he's saying the same thing over and over and over. And the kids all love it. They all call him Grandpa. I don't have that skill. If we had to do Cubby's games and it was dependent on me, we'd do something scary probably. Chances are I'd just, you know, stick them in the dumpster for a while and pull them out when game time's over. <laughs> just kidding. If you're online and thinking about suing the church, it was a joke. A bad joke, but a joke, okay? But God has given different people in the body the ability to do different things. Even your right hand does differently than your left hand. If your right hand were exactly like your left hand... It would be like that. And they're the mirror image of each other. So the, the thumb's on the inside. It's not on the inside here and on the outside over there. So that the fingers work together. But even your hands, which are almost identical, but they're not at all the same. Because God designed them to have different functions. And that how it, how it I'm sorry, that's, how it is in the body. But your gift and your love connects you with everybody in the body. In fact, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Paul talks a lot about spiritual gifts. And right smack in the middle of all this conversation about spiritual gifts is chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging or tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He's saying, I could have all these spiritual gifts, all this dedication, all this heart commitment to something, but if I don't have love, there is no benefit. We're supposed to serve out of a heart of love. Who are the kids that thrive the best in life? They're not necessarily the ones where parents had all kinds of money or all kinds of advantages. It's the ones that felt loved. In fact, you can look at a baby when they're, you know, about eight months old. You can tell which ones have had lots of love and lots of hugs. In fact, one time in our house, I asked one of our kids, they said, I love you, Daddy. And I asked him, well, what is love? And that kid thought for a minute and then said, love is lots of hugging. <laughs> and that's how it is in our house. Um, but God has given us the capacity to serve together as a body in love. Not exalting one person above the other. In fact, what makes your whole body work? What's the core part that makes your whole body work? Your brain. But you, what if the brain wants to exalt itself and, and lift itself above the body? Then what happens? The whole thing dies, brain included. If we're not organically connected there's something seriously wrong. So, um, 
I want you to look now in uh, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, different gifts that God has given. They're not all the same. But the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who helps uh, divide those gifts. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. We're all serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, uh, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So we are all empowered by the Spirit, following the Lord, submitting to the Father, but we have differing abilities. So, let's bring that list up. Uh, people who have the same spiritual gifts might serve in very different ways. All right, so can you pop over to that list of spiritual gifts and then jump right back to that slide? Okay, here's the different gifts. Okay? So, my mother-in-law has the gift of teaching. And for more than 50 years, she taught children's church every week for more than 50 years. Actually, she'd take one Sunday off when they'd go on vacation. So 51 Sundays a year, she was teaching children's church for, for 50 years. Um, and, and she was a gifted teacher. I, I was a guest in her junior church a couple times uh, when we were on vacation and I'd go in there. And I watched how she dealt with those kids. She was really good. Uh, she was the junior church teacher for my younger brother and sister. And, uh, but, but she really, really was uncomfortable getting up and teaching adults. Even just a group of women. We were having a conference at their church and I asked her if she would want to be in charge of a, a session to the ladies and she said, nope, your wife will. <laughs> she just didn't think she could handle that. But she was a gifted teacher, the exact same spiritual gift. I'm the exact opposite. I do not want to work with those very little kids. In fact, it's almost impossible for me to teach pre-readers because I want to have, look in the Bible. See, that's what it says. Look in there. It says right there. You can read it. Well, if they can't read, then I really struggle with that. And then you got people like Tim Pennock, who is good across the board. Tim can teach adults, which he was doing here this morning. He can teach high schoolers, which he will do here tonight. He can teach elementary age kids, which he'll do on Thursday night. Uh, ben Qualls has, has taught uh, Sparks level, uh, kindergarten through second grade, and then He's taught in our middle school, Sunday school class, and he's taught in church. I, I can't go that young. That doesn't work for me. Uh, but we have the same gift, and it works out differently for different people. Take the gift of exhorting. What is that? Exhorting, not extorting. Exhorting, big difference. It's amazing what a couple letters make. Exhorting is you're encouraging people. It doesn't mean you're the cheerleader. You don't have pom-poms on there, you know. When I walked into church this morning, Pat didn't say, Hi, Pastor. Go, Pastor, with her pom-poms waving. So. But I'll tell you, if she ever does, I want a video of that, man. <laughs> so, 
But, but you encourage people. You know, I got a wonderful card from Pat this month, just encouraging. Well, technically, it was last month because <laughs> today's a new month. Uh, but we, we, we encourage the gift of encouraging you can do different things. Uh, one thing you could do is you could write notes to people or you could write a blog or, or even a book. You could make visits. Jim and Jerry Reeves used to do that all the time. And Gary and Alice Burnett, if somebody was in the hospital, Gary and Alice were there. If somebody needed a ride to the hospital, they were there. Or Jim and Jerry, uh, they're not able to do that now, but they did it. You could sing a special song that encourages people. We've had Savannah up here or Megan up here or other people up here. Last week, Ben and Teresa sang a song, and it was encouraging, and it was a blessing. And, and that's the gift of exhorting. They could do that. You could cook meals and deliver them to people. If you're a reasonably good cook, that would be a blessing to those people. Uh, you could give them rides to the doctor. You could pray with them. How many of you have ever had somebody pray with you when you were facing a difficulty or feeling discouraged and it really helped? Raise your hand. Yeah, all over the place. Lots of hands. You could pray with people. You could be a motivational speaker to help people and encourage people. And it's all the gift of exhorting. It works differently for different people. If you had the gift of leadership, you could be a business manager or a pastor. You could be a deacon or a trustee or an Awana director or all of the above. You could organize work days. You could uh, work do work projects. You could work with men or women or teens or kids or seniors. Uh, so there's different ways that gift could work. So if you had the gift of showing mercy... How could that gift show up? What could you do or what could someone do who had that gift of showing mercy? Listen. It's not that I wasn't listening. It's that I wasn't hearing. There's a difference. <laughs> I, I can only wear one hearing aid when I have this on. So listen. Listen to people. What's something else? Kathy? Kathy? Yeah, people are showing mercy. They pick up on things. They see things. What's something else? Some of you are really looking afraid. I can see. I start to look your way and your eyes look away. So it's like in school. You do not want to get eye contact with the teacher, right? Well, we were just talking about hospital visits. Even praying with people, that's a method of showing mercy. Uh, you, you can show mercy in a lot of different ways. Two of the biggest are observing, as Kathy said, and listening, as Clay said, and, and then you respond to that. See, some people can listen to all of it and then say, hey, you know, suck it up, buttercup. And other people can listen and then want to get involved and help and minister and care. It's different. Showing mercy, and to be honest with you, I, I didn't score as well on showing mercy. It took me a long time. I was a great Marine. I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps and excelled at that. And showing mercy is not something you get awarded for as a sergeant in the Marine Corps. And so I had to learn to show mercy. 
Because in the military, especially in the Marine Corps, the mission is everything. And if you have to sacrifice a few people on the way to accomplish the mission, that's what you do. But in the church, we don't do that. We show mercy and we care and we minister. But guess what? You can get better at anything. What does it take? Practice. Practice. Quality practice. Not just spending time at it, but actually learning. So chances are your spiritual gifts are going to be a mix of things. You could exhort while teaching, or you could exhort while singing. You could show mercy while teaching, or teach while showing mercy. You can lead while teaching or teach while leading. You're, you're going to have a mix of gifts as you serve and minister to people, and it's going to work for you. Honestly, when I felt God call me to preach, my first answer was no. I couldn't do that. In fact, I had a friend, uh, Joe Grande, he's a pastor. Uh, now he's working in a Anyway, and it, he's in a full-time ministry now, but he's not pastoring a church. And uh, Joe and I were really close, even though he was in the Navy and I was in the Marine Corps. We were in the same church. We were serving the Lord together, and he got called to preach. And I told him afterward, I said, you know, Joe, I'm glad God called you and not me, because I don't want to disobey God, but I will never be a pastor. Never. <laughs> I saw the way churches treated their pastors sometimes, and I said, I don't want any part of that. And then God called me, and my first thought was, no, God, I can't do that. You got the wrong guy. Come up with something else. In fact, when, when uh, my pastor told the church I was in back home where I had been a teenager, he had me come and share a testimony about getting called to preach. I, I think most everybody in the youth group thought of all the guys that would end up being a preacher, it wouldn't be Terry. And God changed my heart. He changed my life. took a while. I had to grow up, and some, some growing up's easy and some growing up's hard, uh, but God has gifted you in a way that will work for you. In fact, for many years now, if God said, Terry, you're done being a pastor, I want you to do something else, I'd cry. I love being able to do what I do. It's exciting to help people and minister to people and connect them to the truth of God's Word and see them trust Christ and see them follow Christ. That's, that's great stuff. So your gifts are going to be a mix, and it's going to fit you. It might not fit you now, but it will fit you. Someday you'll look back at how God has worked in your life, and you'll be so grateful but we need to remember, you are called and equipped to serve in Christ's body, the church. You are called and equipped to serve. And then secondly, the question, how are you serving others? Because if you're not serving others, if you're not making life a little better for others, then you're not fulfilling what God wants in your life. One more click there, I'll show you. How are you serving other people? Now tonight we're going to look at connecting gifts to life and, and then we're going to look next week at more about spiritual gifts. Uh, we need to understand that this is part of the joy of following Christ. That Christ didn't say, all right, Jeff, 
I want you to be miserable for the rest of your life. Come and do this. Even the Apostle Paul, when, when God, uh, the Lord told uh, Ananias, right? In Damascus, told Ananias and said, I want you to go talk to Saul of Tarsus and show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And yet later on, the Apostle Paul's not saying, oh, my life has been so hard. Later on, the Apostle Paul is saying, to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He's loving what God called him to do. So when you're following God's calling in your life and God's leading in your gifts, that's the place where you find the most joy. And that's why we want to help you in that process.